You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Castrovince, and this is our latest look at the Chicago White Sox. I'm joined, as I am each and every week, by Scott Merkin. Merk, uh, last week you joined us. Uh, I believe you just arrived in Arizona uh, for the, uh, the mini camp there for, for some of the White Sox uh, young hitters. What did you take away from that experience? Obviously, Yoan Moncada was the big story to come out of there. I took away that everyone looks really good in a controlled batting practice situation. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't find well, a bad performer there. Yeah, but I will say that, uh, and I actually noticed this myself and then checked with a couple other White Sox people who were there who opinion I value a little more than just my own take. And I think a guy to keep an eye on this year is Matt Davidson. And, uh, you know, he, he had some rough years at AAA Charlotte by his own admission yeah. after the Sox acquired him from Arizona. And kind of, you know, we heard – rumblings that he had kind of turned it around last year at Charlotte. I think he was in about 260, 15, 16 home runs. And he got called up, gets a base hit, drives in a run in his first game, and then breaks his foot rounding first base, has to have surgery, out for the year. So no one really got a chance to see what he was about last year. But just looking at him at BP, he looks confident, hitting the ball out all over the field. And, you know, he's going to get a chance to play. I mean, right now Todd Frazier is still there. I would not be surprised if Todd Frazier is there at the start of the season. So, you know, DH appears open right now, and assuming the Sox don't add anyone, I think Matt will get a chance to, you know, maybe move around a little bit, play some third DH, but he's a guy to keep an eye on. Now, of course, Matt Davidson's kind of nothing against Matt, but kind of in the second tier of prospects attention-wise right now. And, you know, all I can say is Yohan Mankata is, is one of those true athletes, that, that elite-level athlete that comes around, you know, once in a while and the Sox have not had in a long time. I mean, Jose Abreu is a great player, but he also had, play, had a, you know, a pretty – steady, successful career in Cuba before he came here. Moncada has a little bit of the same, but is also a little younger than Abreu. And I just think this is going to be, you know, once he gets it going, he may not come up and hit 350, you know, the first year he's here. But I think once he gets it going, this guy's going to be a special player. He look, He's built like a defensive back. Like, you know, I think he could help the Bears. And God knows the Bears needed some defensive secondary help this year. But I, I think he could help the Bears as much as the Sox. But Sox are glad they have him. Well, he played some third base uh, in, in Boston last year. We know his you know, his usual position is second base. I think that's where he wants to be. Uh, are the White Sox saying much about, you know, where the long-term fit will be for him, or is it just kind of play it by ear at this point? Obviously, Todd Frazier's the third base in the immediate sense, but right. uh, just kind of looking ahead. Well, a couple of things are interesting. I think he'll play second, you know, down in Charlotte to start the year, assuming he doesn't have some sort of remarkable camp that hasn't break camp with the team. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen one way or the other. But you have guys at second who, you know, right now who the Sox certainly like, Carlos Sanchez, Tyler Saladino. Brett Laurie, the good thing for all three of those guys is they have versatility too, and they can play around the infield as well. And I'll point you back to Gordon Beckham's rookie year. He came up, you know, he was playing second base in the minors, and I think he had played two games at third in the uh, in the minor leagues, I think in his career, dating back to college. And he came up and he, they put him at third base, and he did a nice job his, his rookie season. That was probably his best year that he's had of his career. So I think it's fluid for Moncada, but I think that as of right now, they view him as their second baseman of the future. All right. Well, uh, here in the present tense, uh, the number one center of attention on the south side is Jose Quintana. We talk about him each and every week. Might as well talk about him again here. Uh, Obviously, there has not been a trade to this point. That could change at any moment, or maybe it won't change at all. Uh, What's the latest on Jose Quintana and just how that market's developing? You know, with no offense to my uh, excellent national brethren reporters who do a great job daily, you know, I think until Quintana is traded or until Rick Hahn, which I don't expect this to happen, comes out and says, we've decided not to trade Jose Quintana until 
we'll explore it again at the trade deadline or something like that. You could basically say every day teams are talking to the White Sox about Jose Quintana. You are not wrong. You don't need to have, you know, <laughs> three, four, five excellent sources to know that Quintana is, is being talked about. You know, I think it's just a matter of, you know, it's, it's everyone tells me that I talk to, it's pretty much 50-50, and it sounds like a, a huge cop-out, but it really isn't because, you know, obviously teams have not, Rick has Rick kind of set the bar very high, and teams have not met that bar because Jose Quintana is still on slate to be the White Sox opening day starter. So if a team such as Pittsburgh or Atlanta or Houston or don't count the Yankees out steps up and says, okay, we'll give you this and this, then maybe he gets moved. Otherwise, you know, they have a very good pitcher, a great clubhouse guy to, you know, move forward with, you know, who they possibly have four years of control. And I think it's around $38 million total. So that I wrote yesterday, I wrote, you know, in a column this week about how maybe Rick not can give in completely, but given a little bit, let's say that the Sox can get Austin Meadows from Pittsburgh, who has been across the board said not available. So maybe then you take three prospects in the package, including Meadows, as opposed to the four you're targeting. The same thing if you maybe get Frazier out of the Yankees. You know, you, you wonder if Rick can move around a little bit. He set the bar extraordinarily high. Obviously, the seven players he got for Chris Sale and Adam Eaton, albeit one of the best pitchers in baseball and an exceptional guy both offensively and defensively in Eaton, but, you know, the seven guys he got all have major league outlooks, major league potential, some at least now elite. So, you know, you wonder if he's trying to hit that level, if he can maybe go a little bit of below it but still get that great return in the process. It all, you know, still has to be played out. But it's interesting, as of now, Jose Quintana is on the list to be at SoxFest, you know, starting January 27th. So it'll be interesting to hit, get his take at that point if he's still with the team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you kind of get to a point where if you're – you know, heading things up over there, you'd probably want to have a conversation with the player or, or have some sense, give the player some sense of, you know, comfort level. Is he going to be reporting to camp in Glendale in a couple of weeks or not? But I, I do understand that it's a fluid situation too. And maybe, maybe the best deal doesn't come around until spring training. Who knows? Right. He's a very well-respected player across the clubhouse, across the organization. You know, not saying that Chris Sale and Adam Eaton weren't either. I mean, Chris Sale, for God's sake, they, you know, created a, marketing plan around him and they had a special section of the stadium called the k-zone when he pitched it just so happened those trades came together very quickly once talks began Quintana's it feels like it's been going on for two years at this point even though it hasn't remember though this is a kid who's dealt with 58 no decisions since 2012 which is the (laughs) highest total in baseball so he understands how to deal with adversity you know I don't think this is going to be a guy who marches into Rick's office next Thursday assuming he's still here and says tell me what's going on but you're right. I mean, knowing how the Sox feel about Quintana and knowing how the Sox run things, it would probably behoove them to sit down with Quintana if they haven't already, as you pointed out, and say, hey, here's what we're doing. You kind of understand what we're doing, but just to give you a heads up, here's what's going on. But as of right now, you know, status quo, he is still a member of, in good standing of the Chicago White Sox rotation. All right. Uh, elsewhere, there was a minor bit of news. Uh, Corey Lukey uh, signed a minor league deal. There was a guy who was an interesting arm for the Pirates uh, some years back, uh, you know, seemed to be on the, on the verge of a little breakout with them. Got a, I believe it was a $12 million extension at one point, four-year extension. Um, but, you know, pair of, uh, he's had two Tommy Johns in his career, right. but uh, uh, perhaps a nice depth option, a guy, uh, you know, looking for a new opportunity. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, the, the minor league signings have been uh, filtering out, not confirmed by the White Sox. They have not announced their non-roster invites yet. I, I, I would expect, a guy like Zach Collins from in, within the organization is going to be on that list, which will probably hold more interest to Sox fans than Everett Cabrera or, you know, yeah. Luke Gee or uh, even Giovanni Soto, who figures to make, you know, be one of the co-catchers with uh, 
Omar Narvaez to start the year. But as of the right. time we've taped this, the Sox have not announced the non-roster events. But they do have an interesting list. You know, it's funny. They, I just wrote about this today. The team they have certainly is not going to make the Cubs or the Indians shudder in 2017 for playoff potential. But they're not the, quote-unquote, you know, normal tanking kind of rebuild. I mean, this is not a team that looks like it's going to be in competition for the number one or two draft pick. And that's even if they trade Quintana. You know, I think – and I think they can do it differently – as uh, Nick Hostetler, I talked to him, the director of amateur scouting, a little bit about this. They can do it differently because this is not a salary dump. This is not you have to trade players because they don't fit here anymore. This is kind of a rebuild out of the last plan didn't work, so you have some really good assets slash players to trade, which maybe speeds up the rebuild process a little bit so you don't have to go through those two or three years of 98 to 103 losses like the Cubs and Astros did. All right, there you have it, the latest from Scott Merkin. want to thank him each and every week for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extra, Chicago White Sox edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.